Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 154. As always, I'm joined by Jordan. Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where I'm joined by Jared. Whoa, that caught me off guard. We're in the Twilight Zone. (laughs) (laughs) It's a mirror. Jared, it's so great to have you here on the Gamecast, Gamecast, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) I'm glad to be back. Uh, unfortunately, I'm a liar. Last week I said all three of us would be back again this week. That is not true. Uh, some plans came up in the way and Dom wasn't able to join us. Dom, you made me look like an asshole! <laughs> you made me look like a liar. Uh, hopefully he'll be back next week. Anyways, with Jordan and I, we're going to be talking about what we've been playing. I did keep to my promise and I did get to starting uh, Gears of War 4. Remember I talked about I wanted to start it and finish it before Gears 5 came out. I'll talk about that last because that's the more meaty thing I want to talk about. The other two things I played, uh, Apex Legends, still grinding away at Season 2, having a blast with that. Uh, Madden 20, so I finally pulled the trigger and started the uh, QB1, like the single player mode, Jordan, that we had talked about. It's a long shot, it's a long shot. (laughs) The cool thing... Is that uh, if you had played the first, like the other two, because obviously the last two Maddens each individually had the long shot mode, right? Yeah. One of the primary characters in that story mode, who was like the quarterback's coach, is in this mode as well. So he makes a cameo, which is pretty cool. So if you play those other two, there's a little bit of a tie into the previous mode. Um, it so the way it starts off is you uh, you do the typical like video game thing where. You're talking to yourself, murmuring, whatever, and then you go into the bathroom, and once you go to look in the mirror, guess what you do at that point, Jordan? What's that, Jared? You create your character and how he looks. I know, it's never been done wow. in a video game before. <laughs> wow. Yeah, these guys, they'll, they'll, they'll think of something new that'll just catch you off guard. Innovation. And all jokes aside, obviously, it's what we expect from video games, but it's just funny to see these kind of like RPG tropes from other video games in a sports game, right? So yeah. once you leave the restroom, you go to sign up to get into the uh, like the national championship um, uh, stadium, and the lady's like, "Oh, your name's not on the list. Who are you?" Guess what happens next? You create your player's name, <laughs> uh, and then so you cre- uh, at this point you select which college you're going to be. Actually, I skipped that. So at the beginning, beginning. You're like a high school prospect, and they're talking about, oh, where is he going to go to school? You pick your college. I think there's 10 choices, right? So I personally chose LSU, Louisiana State University. And then what happens is you go to the school, and there's this is all cutscenes. You you go and talk to the coach. You're like, I'm glad to enroll here. I, you know, I'm happy to have a chance to play and start at a good college, yada, yada, yada. And then yeah. you end up finding out that, one of the best quarterback prospects in the country transferred to LSU. You got bumped to the bench. He starts for three, Ooh. four years, essentially. You guys make it to the national championship playoffs, right? So it's a semifinal game and then a finals game. He gets hurt, and you obviously have to step up and be the starter. So there's a storyline of, like, you were a commit that came here, and instead of bailing to another school, you stuck it out because you felt that you could beat him in a competition. Turns out you couldn't, right? So yeah, that was a pretty dumb fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually end up having a a receiver on the team who's like the other the like the secondary character and you find out that he lost his brother to cancer and you end up finding out that he has a really close relationship with a fan 
who's this girl who looks sick. Turns out that she's obviously also um, actively battling cancer. And you Fuck, for a second, when you said she looks sick, I was like, is this girl faking? Oh, no. Oh, that is a deep plot line for men. <laughs> no. So you meet her and you meet her father, and they're big fans of him. And you, after you end up winning the first uh, playoff game, you uh, meet them again outside of the locker room, and she tells you how big of a fan she is of you, and she wants you to try to throw three touchdowns for her, right? So at this point, oh, I'm God. like, oh, God, is it going to be like I go out there and perform, and then after the game I find out she didn't make it, right? Like one of those things like, oh, I threw or three like touchdowns you, for her. If you don't throw three touchdowns, she's, like, fucking pissed. Yeah. Um, Jesus. Luckily, neither of those things happen. Uh, the cool thing too is you get to choose your opponent. So if you're somebody who's familiar with like college football, and you want to play against a certain opponent, it technically doesn't really make much of a difference because the actual players from those schools aren't in the game, right? But it's just mm. like an aesthetically pleasing thing. So for mm. both of the games, the the uh, semifinal actually no, you don't get to choose who you play for the championship. Um, it probably picks that based on the team you pick or the team you eliminate in the semifinals. But you do get to pick your team that you face in the semifinals. You play them. Um, I performed pretty well, and I also won the game. Um, I'm pretty sure that if you either A, don't perform well and still win, or don't win, you know, you get different cutscenes, and they say different things, because the way my whole process went is I was a stud out there. Like, I was dominating, right? A stud. And the cool thing is that I ended up getting drafted in the first round of the NFL draft by the Miami Dolphins. Um, and there's an achievement because I, I believe that's the highest you can get drafted in this because the Dolphins are one of the only teams in the NFL, like out of four teams that don't really have a franchise quarterback, right? And Miami. That's the interesting thing is you don't choose your team. So for some people that may be a negative in the game mode. For me it's a positive because that makes it more like a campaign. I'm not simply choosing where I want to play. I have to play out the hand I was given, right? So I got drafted by the Miami Dolphins. I haven't gone beyond that, but uh, when I like got drafted by them and then the menu thing came up, because a lot of this was gameplay and cutscenes, I hadn't even gone to like a menu yet for the story mode. Um, I'm in a QB battle right now in training camp, so I'm not even handed the starting Ooh. job, which is really cool. And there's text messages that you get from uh, your agent and your coach and stuff, and you have to reply back in certain ways. And... The other thing I forgot to mention is through this entire beginning of the game, you get to ask questions, and depending on how you answer them, your personality has changed. So I answered a lot of team-oriented. I answered a lot of questions in a very team-oriented leadership fashion. So I would get leadership points or teammate points, but there was a couple of times where I answered in a way that wasn't necessarily cocky, but it was. A little combative in terms of them not believing that I was able to like step in and replace this starter right and help my team win and I got like uh, the I think it was called tense so I got plus tense which means like in in uh, pressure situations I, I could have a tendency to be a little tense and not be as loose and comfortable right so you kind of like Jesus define your fucking character Christ man like workplace dynamics in the middle of Madden dialogue options? What the fuck? <laughs> um, that being said, obviously for an RPG-ish type story, it's very bare bones. It's what you'd expect from a sports game. Yeah. Uh, what I will say is the acting performances so far are 
are pretty good for a sports Jared, game. Jared, I am glad that you like playing <laughs> football. I would like to be out on the field with you and throwing passes for touchdowns. So the coach that's from Longshot, the receiver, and you are all, you can tell, are actual like voice actors. The one yeah. NFL player I've run into so far was Patrick Mahomes, who's the cover athlete, the, the quarterback for right. the Kansas City Chiefs. He wasn't as bad as those NBA guys, but he's obviously an NFL player trying to act. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. super rough, but he obviously has the weakest performance out of everybody. The really cool thing, too, and this is just a, a subtle thing, and obviously we're used to this from other video games, but in sports games this is a whole other level for them anyways. I had the option of three different voices, and they're all fully acted, which is really cool. So obviously in long shot, both of them, and even in the FIFA one, it's one actor doing that performance. In this one, since you are creating your own guy, you have the choice of three different voices, and they're all very different. One's more of like a like a Cali accent, not necessarily a surfer bro, not that dramatic. Um, one's a little bit more Midwestern, and one's a little bit higher pitched, uh, with a little bit so of like weird. a New York twang a little bit. Um, Some fucking Bioware shit going on here. Yeah, but it's cool that we have the option because that hasn't really been the case. And I made my player look as close to me as I could, but um, obviously the customization tools aren't, you know, this isn't a, what's the RPG Black Desert, you know, that's infamous for its character yeah, creator. Black so this, this isn't Black Desert Online, uh, but it's, it's decently close. So I'm having a blast with that. Rocket number 18 for my boy Peyton Manning, who I believe is the greatest quarterback of all time. But um, well. And another cool thing is... Uh, at the beginning of the game, when you're when you're before you get to choose your number or all that stuff, the way it dictates the type of quarterback you're going to be when you start playing, because obviously there's like scrambling quarterbacks and pocket passers and all these different type of prototypes, right? Uh, you get some questions about what quarterback did you look up to most growing up? So it was like John Alway. Dan Marino, Tom Brady, like, and you kind of choose these options and it carves you out a specific type of quarterback that you are. So I answered Peyton Manning and Steve Young in different questions for the type of quarterbacks I like. So I'm pretty accurate in the pocket, but I also have the ability to move out and run with the ball like Steve Young used to do. So it gives me my own unique feeling quarterback. So I'm not just, oh, I'm a carbon copy of Peyton Manning, right? So that's pretty cool. Wow. Um, Enjoying that pretty much. Uh, Going to be playing that in the coming weeks and seeing how that goes before, you know, Control and these other releases come out. I'll still be playing it, but this is, like, the time to play Madden the most for me. And then I'll be playing it in spurts along the way. Uh, the other game, excuse me, I played was Gears of War 4. So I finally got to this. As we had talked about, I had been wanting to play this uh, and finish it before Gears 5 came out. The same thing is going to happen next year. Uh, I want to get Halo 5 done before Infinite comes out. So... Started Gears of War 4, if uh, you remember, Dom had finished this when it, uh, maybe last year at some point, right? Because it came out in 2017, but I think Dom played it last year. It has five yeah. acts. Uh, in about two hours of gameplay, I already finished the first act, so I'm literally one-fifth of the way through. The game didn't start how I expected it to. It starts off with you, uh, like, infiltrating a cog base. Well, actually, before that, you do a mission before the events of Gears 1, then you do a mission towards the end of Gears 3, and then you jump into current day, and you're these mm. outcasts. You're uh, JD, who's Marcus Phoenix's son, Kate Diaz, who's going to be the protagonist of Gears 5, Dell, who's the 
the black guy from the trailer for Gears 5 that's like consoling Kate and going with her on her journey. And then a fourth guy who I don't remember his name. Uh, he was like he's like a, char- a disposable character. Right? He wasn't really important. Um, and you're infiltrating a cog base to try to get this uh, piece of equipment that helps build walls and equipment and stuff like that because you're uh, JD and Dell left a cog colony to go live like in the outskirts in the wild with like these people who have defected from like traditional society because as you come to find out it's very militaristic and very totalitarian in some ways and it's like very controlled and it's just like them wanting to protect people because of the events of the first three years games right um, gotcha. You get some subtle teases at Marcus of like him watching over his son through like drones and stuff like that, and you know watching it from a distance. At the end of Act One, um, the place where Kate Diaz is from gets attacked by Cog forces, and you guys are leaving to find Spoilers. help. And yeah, this is like the you know the first hour of the game. Uh, you guys are leaving to get help, and Dell mentions to JD, "Hey man, let's go." Let's go get uh, get help. You know who we can get help from. And Kate's obviously like, "Who is he talking about?" And JD's like, "Don't don't worry about it." So obviously, this is you guys going to go find Marcus. You show up at this big like manor, and the the building itself looks completely torn down. And Kate Diaz is like, "This doesn't look like where somebody lives. It looks completely decimated." And JD's like, "That's not where he lives." And like the camera pans, and he's like this little shack to the side. So it's like totally like Marcus Phoenix. He doesn't want this giant like fancy house. He'll just live in like this tiny little hut, being a, a recluse weirdo. Um, mm. That's pretty much right, guy. That's where the first act cut off, because uh, a lot of the first act was infiltrating the cog base, then getting the equipment, and then escorting it out, right? And you having to deal with all of the repercussions of that. Um, I'm enjoying it so far. It's about what I expected. So when the reviews came out for this game, it got anywhere between a seven to an eight, uh, and people felt it was it wasn't different enough from traditional gears, right? That it kind of it felt samey in some aspects, but it still was a very solid experience. Like it was a well developed game, kind of like Pokemon Sword and Shield versus like a Breath of the Wild or Odyssey that you would like to see. Exactly. When Sword and Shield comes out, I'm pretty sure me and you are going to really enjoy it and have a blast with it. But it's not, you know, evolving the franchise in any meaningful way. It's kind of the same in a lot of aspects with a bit of a graphical I don't think there's going to be a thing where I'm like, Jared, can you believe they did that shit in this game? Exactly. It'll be more like, dude, I did this really cool thing, but, you know, yeah, it's yeah. slightly different than what we used to be able to do. Um, and that's exactly what Gears, 4, Gears of War 4 is so far. I don't know if there's any new surprises, but... That's not a bad thing. Like, I haven't played Gears in such a long time that it feels like home in a lot of ways. It's a franchise that I'm very familiar with. Like, active reloading is something that comes active naturally reload. to me. Exactly. Uh, cover-based shooting. They still are some of, if not the best, developers for that, for the third-person cover-based shooting. They just do it so well. They were the pioneers in that at the beginning. Obviously, it's a different studio now, but a lot of the people from yeah, Epic... Say. A lot of the people from Epic moved over to Coalition. So it's the Coalition is made up of essentially Gears people. It's just under a different umbrella. Um, yeah, from I looked up on how long to beat. Roughly for a normal playthrough, it's anywhere between eight and a half to nine hours. Like I told you, two hours in, I'm through Act One. Um, so it'll, I'll probably finish it in about you know eight more hours or so, give or take, depending on 
how much I look for collectibles. Uh, but I, I will be able to finish it uh, before Gears 5. I want to finish actually before next week's show, so we'll see if that can happen. Um, in terms of other things, read some comics. Haven't read uh, House of X for this week yet. Um, gotcha. Just as a, a precautionary, because I know me and you are super into it. I just haven't had a yeah. chance to. I downloaded all my comics yesterday. haven't had a chance to dive in yet. Uh, did I watch anything interesting? Um, trying to think. I'm still watching. Oh, I started Hunter Hunter Season 2. I talked about gotcha. finishing Season 1 last week. Um, I'm, I think that's pretty much it. Nothing drastic that I that I watched. Uh, what about you? What have you been playing in in taking last week since you were just brought up watching stuff i'll i'll give a couple shout outs real quick um just started season seven of always sunny hell yeah it's always sunny in philadelphia and so when you had mentioned uh we kind of talked about the series uh when i first started jumping back into it and you had mentioned mac uh and his uh various weight throughout the series and I didn't realize that, like, he basically walks into the seventh season super fat, whereas end of season six he was, like, totally... Jacked. In shape. Totally <laughs> yeah. in shape. And, uh... So, apparently, this was, like, a... Kind of like a method acting thing that, uh... Uh, McElhaney did, where he's, like... He gained weight on purpose in, like, a safe manner with, you know, like, trainers and stuff. And then, like, lost it after the season. So it was, like, specifically for that. It wasn't just him being lazy in real life and getting fat and then they make jokes about it on the show. He Christian bailed it, right? Like, what he did for Vice? Yeah, exactly. He Christian bailed it is a great way to put it. It's the opposite of D in season six where uh, Caitlin... What's her name? I guess it's uh, McElhaney's wife, uh, Rob McElhaney's wife, uh, got actually pregnant in real life, and then they make jokes about it on the show about, like they have episodes specifically about it. Um, So that was really interesting that he, like, he did interviews and talking about, like, why that would make sense for Mac's character and about how he thought it would be a cooler direction to go in than like characters getting prettier throughout a series. Like he referenced big bang theory and shit. I'm like, this is really well thought out and deep, uh, for a show as goofy as always. Sunny. For a show about like four to five assholes. Yeah. Right. Four to five assholes. Um, so yeah, it's a great show and it is extremely cynical. Um, there are certain times where I'm not as as much trying to watch it just because, you know, I need to um, not be dwelling on such, like, shitty vibes sometimes, you know? But uh, it's such a great show, man. It's so hilarious, and it's genius comedy in, in so many aspects. Um, the characters being the joke themselves and not realizing it is, is kind of the through line of the show, and it really is genius that uh the funniest parts is sure there's like really funny slapstick where somebody's getting like you know hit by a car or whatever but there's a lot of moments where the characters think that they're being really smart and they just 
they're absolute fucking morons, <laughs> yeah. and it ends up uh, being really funny in that sense. So, uh, really enjoying that show. About halfway through with it having uh, thirteen seasons. So wow, um, shout out to that. And um, also finished season one of uh, Ghost in the Se- Ghost in the Shell Stand Alone Complex. Uh, so uh, enjoying that series more than I was at the start. I thought it was just pretty good at the start. I think it's really good now. I think that it might still be my least, well, probably not least favorite Ghost in the Shell properties because that would probably be the second movie and the live action movie. Uh, but besides that, I would say I like the Arise prequel OVAs and the original movie better, which... Jared, I just, you know, I had to go back to, I was finishing the first season of the show and I was like, I, I gotta watch the movie again because I'm just, I love that shit and it is kind of like what you were talking about with uh, Cowboy Bebop. It is like an anime masterpiece uh, in a lot of ways. It is one of those classics. So I found a version online that was actually like a high definition TV rip because uh, I've heard some bad things about the blu-ray and compared to myself and definitely noticed a difference so watching it in a new light with better color uh grading and better contrast it was a really special experience and it is a really special movie um absolutely seminal piece of cyberpunk fiction and uh cyberpunk anime so uh, really glad that I decided to go back to that. And I thought, you know, while I'm at it, what the hell. I'll just watch rewatch the Arise series as well. I think it's like, uh, it's five one-hour parts and there's a movie. So, um, basically just kind of stumbled into doing the whole uh, Ghost in the Shell rewatch simply because I was going through the TV series. So, uh, really enjoying both of those things. And then, as far as what I played, uh, continuing on with Fire Emblem Three Houses, I found out something very interesting about the game, Jared. What's that? So, of course, there are the three paths with the three houses, as uh, previously explained. Um, However, there is a secret fourth path. Um, Have you heard about this? Nah. So it only exists in the house that I chose, the Black Eagles with Edelgard as your house leader. Um, and it occurs at a, a branching point in the story. Um, so the story branches either way, but if you are, I guess, like me, and you just happen to stumble upon... Uh, in like a walkthrough online the fact that there is a fourth path and you can branch off this way um, then you can go on a certain mission with a certain someone and that will open up uh, that second branch for you so like I said it's going to branch either way uh, but you may not be able to uh, choose that branch that second branch if uh, that alternate branch I should say if you didn't kind of set yourself up for it on a little uh, side quest, right? Oh, cool. So, 
Um, it just so happened that I was looking something else up about the game and noticed that right as I was passing the date on the calendar for me to go on that side quest. Oh, wow. Um, and if you've played a Persona game before, you understand, like, as your calendar is moving throughout the year, there are certain times that you have to do certain things if you want to unlock certain things. And um, I wouldn't say Fire Emblem has been as much like this, but with this specific, very extremely specific instance that massively modifies the game, uh, it has uh, gone in that direction. So, um, like I said, it just so happened that I figured it out and figured out how I could do it. So much so, I was so close, Jared, that I had actually passed that part. However, and this is important to our show, because of me having Nintendo Online in my cloud backup save from yesterday, I was able to jump back to that cloud save and hit that day where I needed that quest. Hell yeah. So we've talked a lot about, like, Oh, I don't need Nintendo Online or whatever. You guys have been like nonchalant about it. Totally fine. But I've been like, what the fuck? What about your cloud <laughs> saves? And it's like, totally saved my ass here. You for know, those hours listening, and hours. For those listening, can you play. give the specific dates? How way they know? Yes, it is. Uh, well, it's not February 8th. It's 2-8 okay. um, is the date. Um, the uh, months are not called, you know, January, February, whatever. But, uh, yeah, it would be uh, the eighth day of the second month. Um, so it's after the new year. And uh, it is pretty well into the game, you know, like 25, 30 hours into the game. So uh, not something you have to worry about at the start. But, Jared, what I did is I've actually set myself up with two save files. So... There's like a pivotal battle, and after the battle, you make your decision, right? Yeah. And so, after the battle, I was able to save. So, after the battle finished, I saved, and then I made choice number one. I'm not going to spoil anything. Choice number one, path number one, and made a save file there. And then I jumped back, made choice number two, and uh, used a second save file. So, now I'm following the like base standard path right and I'm going to follow that up until the end before I finish the game though so I don't trigger new game plus I'm going to jump back um, as long as I feel like it which I'm sure I will I'm pretty into this game and play that second uh, alternate secret path up until the end and then I'll finish them out uh, on one of the two paths probably the standard path that's a pet peeve I hope that developers try to work towards with not all developers because some developers do this but i wish there was an easier way just to like in game as you're playing make multiple save spots on the go so it's not as much of a hassle as having to like work with your cloud save or do all of this yes. like stuff yeah so the game does what a lot of other games do in these situations where it says this is about to irrevocably change the game are you sure you want to continue you know you've seen that before and yeah. so if they're going to do that, then yeah, why not say, this is about to irrevo- irrevocably change the game. Would you like to give yourself the option to come back for the second branching path without having to play the whole game again? I would really appreciate that. Kind of a 
chapter select, if you will. Just give me like three, two, three, four like slots to save independently on my own, however I want to. So whenever I go to yeah. save in your game, I can save to whatever the hell one I want. That's the beauty of yeah. like you know obviously Bethesda gets shit on and Skyrim gets shit on yada yada yada, but that game is brilliant and so is Fallout because you get to do exactly that. You can make as many separate save files as you want and track yeah. them. You can go back at any point. You know what I mean? I just wish more games did that. Sure. It's now the way I was able to do this was because it gives you five save file options. Okay. Um, but I am gonna have to like I kind of had a note in my phone and like here's where the branch starts. Here's where I have to hit this thing. You know. Save you had to plan it out. There. Yeah. Right, exactly. Listed my save files, so... Um, I think it's going to work out fine. I'm, I'm on the path now, if you will. And so uh, I'm excited to be able to go back and do that without having to play the game. Kind of... Uh, f- flew under by the seat of my pants, or uh, by the skin of my teeth, I guess you could say. Um, on that one, but uh, we'll see if I end up playing the other houses. I'm more interested, as I've said, uh, kind of just following this b- secret path in the house I've already started with, as opposed to starting a whole new house. But we'll see. So, not including Madden, my last previous major game was Super Mario Maker Two, right? Yours, obviously, yeah. Fire Emblem. We're both we're both gonna get control pending reviews right no I'm day one control you're day one okay cool yeah I just I couldn't remember there was what is there there's a isn't there a big release this fall that you're optimistic on but you're gonna wait for reviews on not Star Death Wars Death Stranding maybe Death Stranding maybe um, Star Wars Star Wars 2 yeah definitely uh, I'm day one on Pokemon what's coming out Trying to think of there was another t- what's what's coming out this fall? Yeah, it's not that important. Um, day one on uh, Dragon Quest Switch. Oh yeah, I forgot that's oh and Dragon uh, Quest eleven. A game I'm really interested in got a release date too. This isn't in the news, but Indivisible, the like two D hand drawn art style, uh, like Metroidvania. Um, it's by the people Is who that made from the from Microsoft's E three conference this year. Not this year, no. It was actually a couple of years ago. It's by the team who did Skullgirls, the fighting game. Um, gotcha. That it's a two D like Metroidvania platformer. It got announced coming out in October for all major platforms except for Switch. It is coming to Switch, but that date wasn't announced yet. Um. Um. Yeah, I think. Um. Okay, so I'm day one on Control. I'm day one on Dragon Quest Eleven. I'm 99% sure I'm going to be doing Borderlands 3 day one. Uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, I'm going to do day one. Sword and Shield, I'm going to do day one. And then Fallen Order is probably my biggest on the fence right now. Okay. Um, before we hop into quickie news, is there anything else you wanted to mention besides Fire Emblem? Whew, finishing up that second season of Hannibal, Jared, and my god... I've never seen anything so grotesque in all of my life. <laughs> God. Like, I don't I don't even know what, what to say. Like, even if I spoiled it for you, which I'm not obviously going to do, uh, I would just be like, so that's the thing, Jared. I don't know what else to say about it. Sorry. You know, it's just like, yeah. wow. So, 
I don't even know if I can recommend the series at this point. It's gotten so dark. It is so unbelievably dark. Now, it's fantastic. <clears throat> but it's like to recommend that to someone is almost like a mental burden that you're recommending them, you know? Yeah. Which is not something I'm in the habit of doing, uh, recommending mental burdens to people. So <laughs> um, emotional burden as well. So that is where we're at, but uh, still a fantastic season. You know, it's a weird uh, give and take I have with that series. But yeah. Let's hop in. Fucking crazy. I, yeah, that's I've heard about the show, and I just don't... I, I might want to get to it eventually because obviously it was canceled, so it's not like a long-running series, but who knows? We'll see. Quick shout-out to some horror that's not quite as balls to the fucking wall. Uh, Rosemary's Baby I watched recently, and that is a, a wild ride. That is uh, quite a film. Quite a film. Uh, let's hop into the quickie news here. Um... First up, Rockstar Games, uh, they're adding roles to Red Dead Online. So in the next big update, they're going to be adding the Bounty Hunter, Collector, and Trader roles. So what this allows players to do is uh, each player can pursue new gameplay opportunities for the role they choose. So Bounty Hunters will be able to chase down criminals who are wanted to get gold from that. Collectors will be able to hunt down antiques and treasures and collectibles uh, to sell off to uh you know, collectors or rich people who just want to spend their money. And traders are the people who are going to go out and hunt and collect natural resources like, you know, flowers and wood and stuff and sell that. Uh, more of a natural uh, law of the land type way to make your money. Um, sounds pretty interesting. Uh, doesn't seem like you're going to be committed to a specific role for the entirety of your online uh, play. So once you pick one, you're not like locked into it, which is cool. Um, haven't really been interested in Red Dead Online. I hopped in when the game had first released and it was pretty bare bones and boring. There wasn't a whole lot to do. Um, but when this new update comes out, I'm going to be hopping in and checking it out because the collector role seems pretty cool. So I'll end up giving hmm. a, giving my thoughts on how that goes and see what it does for Red Dead Online in general. I still love that game. You say it's uh, it was boring first time around. Well, yeah, yeah man. A lo- it lost a lot of its online player base because it just wasn't a whole lot to do and that was the worry going into it is like it doesn't have as many options as a gta online right like you can't introduce planes yeah. and cars and racetracks and all of this crazy are stuff. are you kind of doing the same thing though like are you buying a house in red dead online and when uh, at, at launch and... you couldn't do any of that no you couldn't get a like a, a house or or any of that stuff it was like very bare gotcha. bones so House like buying property in GTA Online. Can I go to to an address and visit your place if you've bought one? Yes, I'll be in my house and you can hop in and like, hey, we're in my you know penthouse in the middle of downtown or whatever. Gotcha. But you can't customize. So there are specific addresses for people like we couldn't own the same house on separate profiles. Uh. There's there's like 15 properties and you can own any of those 15 and I could own any of those 15. We could both own the same, literally the same house, but when I walk into it, it's my place. When you walk into it, it's your place. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, next up, Death Stranding is likely no longer uh, PlayStation 4 exclusive. 
um, you know, the the reset eras of the world ended up finding out that PlayStation no longer has the game listed on its official website alongside its other exclusives on the PlayStation 4. Um, this is kind of weird because as uh, as of May 26th, it was listed as a PlayStation 4 exclusive on the site. It had it had had those um, only on PlayStation 4 marketing uh, additions to the bottom of its marketing materials. And uh, so this change means that there may be a PC release announcement on the horizon. Obviously, Gamescom is in the coming weeks. Jeff Keighley, uh, the Game Awards uh, E3 man himself, announced that he's doing a Gamescom launch event where there's going to be 15-plus reveals of new games, add-ons, updates, expansions, all of that stuff. In addition to that, he announced that uh, Hideo Kojima was going to be a guest. So people were wondering, are we getting a new trailer? Before all of this PS4 exclusive stuff went down, people were like, oh, are we getting a new Death Stranding trailer? What are they going to do? Are they going to show us maybe some new like pre-order thing or something, right? Something new. Then all of this stuff broke about it not being a PlayStation 4 exclusive anymore. And this is leading people to believe that at Gamescom, Hideo Kojima is going to announce that the game is coming to PC as well. Um, obviously, for the likes of us, this doesn't really change anything. Like... It's still a console exclusive on uh, on PlayStation. Who cares? It's whatever. Um, but I am interested to see how this goes down with the the fandoms of the world because for the longest time, one of the arguments, and obviously this is generalizing. I'm not saying all PlayStation gamers are like this. Just like not all Xbox gamers are like anyway. But there's been this weird argument between the hardcore like baby trolley fandoms of Xbox doesn't have any real console exclusives because all of their exclusive launch on PC, which totally misses the point of console exclusives in the first place. Anyways, that's been the whole argument, right? Of like, well, so, you know, Gears is coming out on PC, so it's not technically a console exclusive. So now that PlayStation gamers are going to be seeing their real... We assume, if this all holds true, at launch version of this, because we have seen PlayStation 4 exclusive games come to PC after its release, like uh, yeah. uh, Detroit Become Human. Uh, what else am I missing? Uh, there's another one recently. Bloodborne didn't go Bloodborne to didn't, no. There's another uh, one. Helldivers is a smaller example. Yeah. So I'm just Are interested the, to see how that plays uh, The, like, is Heavy Rain and uh, Beyond Two Souls? Yep. On PC as well. All Aquatic yeah. Dreams catalog. But that was like after the date, so it's interesting to see how this plays out for for people because they won. There is, like I said before, the likes of me, you, Dom, people like us. It's not like a crazy dramatic thing, or it doesn't really affect us in any meaningful way. But there are people out there who, the the flag waving, the 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 bannerman of PlayStation and Xbox, they the argue about this crap all the time. PlayStation and bannerman. And I think PlayStation players will now finally understand how little it means to the base itself that this game is also coming to PC. You know what I mean? Just like Xbox gamers, it doesn't really bother them that the exclusives go to PC as well, because who cares? You know what I mean? So. You're getting, you, you're, you've got access to it. That's what's important to me at least. Now, here's what's also important to me, Jared. I'm starting to think that this is not going to be a good game. And so, what I would like to know from you is... Let's say PlayStation 4 Metacritic, what, in multiples of 10, where do you think it's going to be? Because I think it could be as low as uh, 70s in the Metacritic. 
I'm I'm close to you. I think it could be as low as like sixty five. I, I think he could too. Dude, the the, the Here's what I'm worried about is gonna be crazy and I think that the cutscenes are gonna be well done and well acted and all that. The what little we've seen of the gameplay, honestly straight up looks whack. Here's my worry is I think that this could be the first triple A example of Mighty Number no. Nine. Somebody I'm, who was I'm just about getting those vibes as far as the gameplay where it's like the last trailer we saw was like three seconds of gameplay and it just looked weird the shooting looked bad i thought the shooting looked bad but that's just me you know when they're in like the trenches and like that war scene yeah i just didn't think the shooting looked very good i've never been a fan of the way metal gear shooting looked in particular but i never thought it looked bad this one to me looked bad MGS5, see that's the one thing is like coming off of MGS5, that game feels good as hell. Yeah, and I, I know so. that from reviews and I never played it, so like it never oh interested God, me yeah. from how it looked, but I never thought it looked bad, you know? Whereas mm-hmm. this, A, I'm not interested, and B, I don't think it looks very good. Um, and that's the thing too is, what if we're sitting here thinking of like, you know, this game will, is is like PlayStation's baby because they funded it, but to some of your worries, like if this game doesn't review well or some people think it'll sell really well, I'm still on the fence. I don't know if it'll sell very well. I think it'll sell decently initially, a few million copies off the Kojima name, but if it's shitty, these low Metacritic scores that we're talking about, I think that it could easily drop off real quick. Yeah, and we're also talking about a guy as... as Phenomenal as Kojima is in his track record, he has a also has a track record of going over budget, and mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see how the sales go in, uh, like match up with the investment PlayStation made, and if they see it's right. if it's financially worth it. This is a game that could be. I don't think it'll be higher than a, an eighty nine on Metacritic. I just don't see it being a ninety game okay. for me. I just don't see that happening. But yeah, I mean it's certainly going to be divisive probably maybe it'll just be fun to watch cutscenes on youtube you know yeah but here's like so red dead red dead was divisive but critically it reviewed very well right i think this might be divisive in both player feedback and review scores you know just because of the way it is it's so weird and obtuse and i've never been a metal gear guy i've respected its legacy and i've respected kojima so off the bat, I had z- <laughs> I've had zero interest in it from the get go, right? Death Stranding. Then, as the trailers and stuff started coming out, and I'm seeing it's just as weird, if even more obtuse than Death Stranding. I'm even getting pulled farther away from being interested. And then I start hearing people like you, who really love Metal Gear, right, being hesitant, and that's where I'm like, yeah. I'm even more worried because yeah. I can understand where I'm coming from. The person who has no interest in any of it, I'm like, okay, obviously I'm going to be somebody who's probably not interested. But when I start hearing yeah. the, the fans being like, ooh, who knows? That's where I'm like, oh, God. Now, like That makes me even more cautious. You may not be a fan of Metal Gear, Jared, but the thing that both that game series and this one have in common, and I think that we can at least agree on, is the merit of Yoji Shinkawa. Oh, yeah, I think those games have always looked dope. Yes, and the uh, character design by Yoji Shinkawa is just... Legendary. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and the concept art that he works on and all that. So, 
and there are aspects of this game that are master level, master craft level, but it does not seem that that's going to be the full story. We'll have to wait and see, of course, for Final Judgment, but um, if nothing else, I am really excited about the cast uh, because I really like a lot of these uh, actors um, that we're seeing here, so if nothing else, that, that is there. But it's on PC, so we shouldn't care anymore, Jared. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, if I can't have it to myself, I don't want it. And honestly, this may be a reality that PlayStation players might have to look forward to, like with other second and third party partnerships of, you know, games aren't cheap to make. And mm. even PlayStation, who we recently announced had 100 million uh, consoles shipped, like it's in the publisher's best interest to put it anywhere they can. And putting those games on PC. I don't think affects the console market as drastically. I think it just only benefits them to get more sales, you know? I don't know. I don't now, mind Xbox or PlayStation exclusives coming to PC. I mean, honestly, I don't mind them coming to other platforms either, but realistically, the platforms that never do that, you know? So it's just like, whatever. Speaking of uh, second and third party exclusives, do you think that we might have an Order 1886 situation going on here where the game... The cutscenes look gorgeous and they're well acted, but the gameplay just isn't there. Or it's a four-hour game. Well, I don't think it'll be that short, but it could be six or eight hours, you know. And that's a tough thing. Like, obviously, we always have this discussion between us three that length doesn't dictate value. Like, if it's a six-hour right. experience that you absolutely adore and you feel it's worth sixty dollars, that's that's on you. You you know, consumers yeah. determine the value. For me, just looking at a game and not being interested in it, the moment I hear a $60 game for, 60, for six hours and I'm already not really interested in it, to me that's like, oof, that's not good value. Oof. But that's my own personal view on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, who knows? I certainly dig that for sure. And what if it's, what if it's a six-hour game with mostly cutscenes? <laughs> You know what I mean? That's the worry, too. Yeah, I mean, that value is important. You know, we're looking at these vouchers we've got with Nintendo. We're looking at... We've talked about uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance not necessarily bringing the, the full value for 60 um, With there being, you know, all the games I just rattled off this fall that I'm, like, day one on, for sure. Um, there's no free passes here, so you can't be serving us bullshit and expecting us to buy it. Speaking of the vouchers, I already have one of those vouchers Ooh. set and ready to go for Pokemon Sword and Shield, and we got yeah. a new trailer this week. Ooh. Are you able to do that now? Uh, I don't think I can activate it yet. I don't think it's gone available yet, but I once it does... I'm... Oh, you're just saving it in your pocket, I guess. Exactly, exactly. Yes. Uh, yeah. One for that, and then I don't know if I'm going to use it for Link's Awakening yet, or just save it for... Animal Crossing next year and just buy Link's Awakening out of pocket. Haven't decided yet. But with Pokemon Sword and Shield, we got a new trailer. It unveiled some stuff. Uh, the Galarian forms of some previous Pokemon, including Coughing and Wheezing. They now look like uh, gentlemen with their giant mustaches and top Jeez. hats. We got a, a pretty cool evolution to Zigzagoon. Uh, a normal type from, I think, I think it's Gen 3 or 4. A Pokemon you never expect to get a third evolution. Uh, it got one. It's more. It looks like, kind of like a werewolf. He's standing on two feet. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. I forgot to write it down. But whenever a mm. new generation of Pokemon comes out and they pay love, 
uh, to older Pokemon and give them evolutions or pre-evolutions or whatever. I always like that because it brings life to... Zigzagoon is a Pokemon no one keeps in their team of six, you know what I mean? But yeah. this new evolution, because he's like more like a werewolf and he looks cool, he could end up in a rotation for people. And the way I play Pokemon, and I'm pretty sure you have said in the past, Jordan, you're the same way, is when I go through a new generation, I like to play through that game the uh, all the way with the Pokemon that are in that game. I don't like I'll I don't trade in like all of my Pokemon in and then bring in like guys off the bench or or bring in like a level one Charmander to level up in this new game. You know what I mean? I like to go in uh, and play with all the Pokemon that are available. I'm I'm trying to understand what you're saying here. Are you saying like? Uh you're not trying to train everybody equally. You're just trying no, to... No, no, no. So, there's two ways that people kind of approach new Pokemon games. A, they'll start the game. They'll get people from Pokemon Bank. They'll get, like, a level 1 Charmander, a level 1 Pikachu. They'll trade gotcha. it into the game. And then they'll use them alongside, like, three or four Pokemon from that region. Or even just use a bunch of older Pokemon and just level them up because they, they're in love with the Gen 1 or whatever, right? There, yeah. Then there's the other type of people who will play through the game base with all the Pokemon that are in that game specifically, use them in their team of six, and then once they finish the game, then they'll bring in their other Pokemon from Pokemon Bank to like level up or breed or whatever, you know? Kind of playing yeah, it pure for been, what it is. I've never been a, uh, a member of the Pokemon Bank myself, uh, just because I love catching Pokemon and stuff. I usually don't finish the games because... Yeah. They're just not that important to me, and they're not... Uh, it's not like the story's that fucking compelling or anything like that. Um, obviously, you know, the classic games I was finishing as a kid, but um, nowadays I kind of just play them for fun and um, catch cool Pokemon that I like, but uh, it's not... They're not necessarily like, this exact version of Mew needs to come with me and this, that, and the other. It's it kind of takes the fun out of buying a new $60 game of like, okay, bought this new game with all these new Pokemon, I'm just going to bring in my old guys and then just play through. It's right, like, yeah. what's the point? It doesn't make any sense. I certainly want to find, would like if they included, you know, familiar Pokemon along the way for me to find and catch. Oh, there will um, be, for sure. Right. I just don't like the specific examples in the past where they've been like, you got to beat black and white to be able to catch a Pikachu I'm like god damn it I just why do we have to like get that past that gate you know for the original 151 or whatever it is yeah but so. then there's the there's a counter argument of people feeling like the reason a lot of people liked black and white is because it was the first game in many years to not rely heavily on previous generations and we're like here's a hundred and twenty plus new Pokemon focus right. on this and it felt like a refreshment of the franchise so it's like sure. that weird I appreciate that yeah um i think that's pretty much it for quickie news obviously jordan and i are looking forward to pokemon sword and shield i'm Ooh, gonna be yeah. hopping in on sword he's gonna be hopping in on shield and we'll see how things go um oh, lot, I I for... the dice the wrong way on that one old buddy <laughs> uh the last thing i forgot to mention is they also introduced this to marnie who seems like this like pop star or She's a popular person in entertainment for some reason, and the only reason you know that is because 
uh, her crazed fans are Team Yell, who are like the Team Rocket equivalent of the Galar region. So we're going to find out what they... They're like pink and black. I like their color scheme, but it's like Team Yell. Gotcha. On. So now, yeah, definitely don't like the name. And then you're saying that she's a pop star within the world of Pokemon. Yeah, a pop star. She's something popular <laughs> because they're all her fans, which leads me to believe like... She's either, they didn't mention her as a gym leader, so that means she's either a singer, or a dancer, or a pop star. Okay, one of these types. And I'm, so. trying, to, I'm trying to think of, like, relating it to the UK, right? Like, what's prominent in the UK? Well, the oh, UK the is... the Galar region, of course. The UK is known for having, like, prominent vocalist singers, right? Like, Adele, Freddie Mercury, the list goes on and on. So, maybe she is a singer? That's my assumption, but who knows? Okay. Um, forgot my other question. Let's hop into the final news story, and then if it comes back to you, just let me know. So, the big news, 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 the big topic of this week, uh, the big three, that being Nintendo, Sony, and PlayStation, Sony and PlayStation, Nintendo, Sony, and Xbox, Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft. (laughs) Mm, There you go. I had to keep feel like I'm uh, uh, on Anchorman, man. Kept messing up. Give me the right teleprompter. Uh, so this comes by way of Makina Kelly over at The Verge. So she writes, The three major video game console manufacturers, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo, have committed to requiring all publishers of games on their respective platforms to disclose the odds of receiving types of in-game items from loot boxes in all future titles. Keeping their future titles, so not games that are currently out, and uh, the in addition to this, people are wondering, well, when will this go into effect? Technically, right? So she adds, the exact timing of this disclosure requirement is still being worked out according to the ESA, but the companies hope to roll it out in 2020. Hearing that, it's like, okay, they want to get okay. this done before the next-gen consoles come out, right? I am so stoked about this. This is a yeah. big move for all three of them to commit to this. Um... It's something that needed to happen. Here's the thing. Obviously, people like to hate on loot boxes. I know they've done a lot of bad, and they're unhealthy, and they create gambling habits with younger children. Personally, I think loot boxes can be a lot of fun if the game implements them in the correct manner, and you feel like you're getting rewarded with them without spending actual real money, right? I think there's a balance you can have there because it is human nature, and the reason loot boxes work so well is it's human nature that we like games of chance right it's the whole reason why gambling is so popular is as humans we like to take a risk on something in hopes of getting a great return and i think loot boxes can do that and they do do that and it's a great adrenaline rush and it's you know getting the uh just the uh dopamine rush right of opening this legendary item but they are predatory if done wrong a lot of times they're predatory and people, you know, these publishers take advantage of that. We have kids spending their parents' credit cards. We have people themselves going yeah. bankrupt, though that I personally believe is personal responsibility as an adult to be able to handle your financial Dude. situation. Yeah. But get get a hold of yourself if you're fucking spending thousands of dollars on a single game. I've heard of people doing that, even hundreds. It's like here's the thing. If you spend more than $60 on a single game and you're not buying, you know, like a season pass, expansion pass, you know, you're just buying like little microtransactions. 
if you're buying a game for $60 and then spending 100 in microtransactions, I think that's out of control. Yeah. The, I think the big three the big three issues I have with loot boxes are A, if they're predatory towards children, B, if they drastically affect in-game advantages, right? So if they dictate yeah. some some people having an advantage in like a multiplayer game, or C, if they drastically affect your overall experience in a game without purchasing them, right? So if you don't purchase them, right. you're going to have a worse time right. than somebody who does. I think those three things are the big three issues with loot boxes. That's a good, that's clear and concise points that you've made there. And I think that, I think we've gotten caught up in the, is it gambling or is it not conversation way too far down that rabbit hole. And I think the point of the matter is, is these sorts of transactions, uh, these types of microtransactions have become a gigantic revenue source for the publishing companies to take advantage of their customers in a quick and easy way that is very sleazy but is in a certainly legal uh, gray area yeah if not a moral gray area and so i think that they're just kind of getting away with murder here in way too many aspects and it has gone way too far so um, I think that hopefully, my hope is that we look back on this uh, era that we're in right now in in uh, you know maybe 20 years and think how crazy it is that these companies were allowed to just run amok for as long as they have been of just like I said, getting away with murder when it comes to giving such little value and getting so much profit off of it. And the way it works, uh, you know, with capitalism stuff is they, they'll take a mile and they'll do yeah. that for as long as they can. And then eventually, through regulations, it'll get pulled back to the point where it's where it should be. Or at, it's at back least to it's giving them an inch. Yeah. Or at least it's manageable. And like I said, I know some people are very aggressive towards loot boxes and how much they hate them. I'm honest enough with myself to know that I love opening loot boxes. Obviously, I don't go out and spend hundreds of dollars on them. I earn them in-game, and I don't open a ton of them. But I love opening them. It's it's a fun rush to see, like, am I going to get something cool in this in this care package or this loot box, right? It's sure. inane human Crash nature. Packs. Yeah, and I think if done right, it can feel rewarding, and it can give people a reason to keep playing your game long past its initial influence on the gaming market. So... I'm glad that they're just grouping together. And the cool thing with this, quote-unquote cool, is that because they're going to actually have to be disclosed, all of the rates on those loot boxes are going to go up. Because now that you don't know what the rates are to get good items, they're really shitty and in favor of the publishers. Like, real shitty. And if you don't believe that, you don't know. Uh, Just before we move on from this subject, I want to give a quick... What is the opposite of a shout-out, Jared? Call-out? Call-out. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I want to call out Activision because once again, they have oh, snuck crash. in microtransactions into Crash after the review season for it is over. And it's just the sleaziest, fucking bitch ass, most obnoxious bullshit I've ever seen. Um, and that is a children's game. 
in a lot of sense. Yep. I know it's a it's a nostalgia trip for a lot of adults, but the way that game looks, the aesthetic, and the way it is marketed is a family-oriented affair. And so for them to uh, skeezily slip in loot boxes after the reviews are all said and done when people won't be talking about it, um, as they've done in the past, as we've talked about in the past, is maddening in a lot of ways because you know exactly what you're doing, motherfuckers. As egregious as EA has been with their stuff, I think this Activision stuff is even more predatory and worse because, like you said, it's like they know exactly what they're doing. Let's get all these good reviews, and then after we have all that good press, let's sneak these into there. And it's not a one-case thing. They did this with Call of Duty several times, so that stuff. I'd rather you be shitty up front with me than be shitty, uh, delayed shitty. You know what I mean? Now, on the other hand, also, uh, a thing that I found out from Easy Allies, as opposed to Kyle Bossman, it was Bradley Ellis mentioning that jumping into Shadow of War, the Lord of the Rings yep. game, the their microtransaction loot box store has disappeared from the game, which is weird that you could just rip a piece of the game out like that and it still work. Um, it's wild. Yeah, I'm. They had so much backlash at launch for that that I think it was their only feasible option. Honestly, I don't even think they recovered from it fully. I think their sales took. Well, a yeah. By the dive. time, by the time they took the store out, nobody gave a fuck about that game anymore. So exactly. that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Like they learned anything, from it. You know, <laughs> I'll tell you as that much. Evil, as evil as it is for Activision to do what they've been doing, they are raking in the initial sales as much as they possibly can off of the initial reviews like we talked about that aren't mentioning the microtransactions that are soon to be in the game because they don't know about the existence of them. So they're raking in that initial uh, profit off of the uh, you know the, the boost that launch day gives every game, right? Like you'll never be at that same height usually for the most part. Um, and then they're adding these loot boxes in after review season to boost their numbers after the fact. And so to entice their most loyal fan base, because they know the people that are likely to spend that money are the people still playing it months later too, you know? So it's like a win-win for them. It is cunning, but you know, it's, it's dastardly. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's not the way you want to be, man. It's not the way you want to win the game. Thank you guys for listening to episode 154. As we come to a close, real quick, we'll talk about where we're going to be playing. For me, Gears of War 4, not a very long game. I hope to finish it by this time next week. Hopefully I can. We'll see what can happen there. Going to be playing some more QB1 in Madden 20. Report back to you, Jordan, on all of my RPG decisions to see how deep it goes. Um, oh, uh, did I mention this last week that I beat all of the Mario Maker levels? Like the story mode levels? Um, I... I'm not sure. I know you've been close, but it's great to hear that you polished her off there. So there's all of the... There's 90 There's ninety levels that are numbered, right? So 1 through 90. Right. Then there's an additional 10 levels that are like the Toad Rescue missions that I talked to you about in previous weeks. Then there's oh, an I additional, see. like... I want to say 8 or 10 quest levels that are these different characters around the castle that you can unlock outfits that you dress your character up in for the course world 
uh, your little me character, like some additional bonus levels. I literally beat gotcha. and completed all of them. So uh, upon completing them, you get like a a classic Mario outfit, which is pretty dope to wear on your me. And yes, yeah, so from now on, I'm gonna be playing the course created on levels. Your me. On your me. Uh, that is pretty fucking worthless, I gotta say, Jared. Me clothing is not what I'm looking for. I'd rather open a loot box. <laughs> Honestly, I'd rather open a loot box too. Uh, <laughs> uh, in terms of what I'm going to be watching, obviously some more Cowboy Bebop and all the shows I'm currently watching. Last episode of Cowboy Bebop I finished was uh, Heavy Metal Queen, which is so good. Gotcha. Uh, episode before that is probably my favorite episode of the series so far, which was Sympathy for the Devil, which is about the the kid playing the harmonica with the guy in the wheelchair. I'm not going to spoil yeah. anything about the episode, but that's what it's about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much it for me. I can't wait to see Good Boys, but that doesn't come out till after next week's recording of the show. Um, what is Good Boys, Jared? It's a movie directed and written by Seth Rogen. It stars Jacob Tremblay, who's the kid from the new Predator and the movie Room with uh, Brie Larson. Gotcha. And two other kids who are like new kid actors. And it's basically if Super Bad, the movie Super Bad was more vulgar and centered on middle school kids as opposed to high school kids. So for those who remember Super Bad, it's a movie with Jonah Hill, Michael Sarah, and uh, the guy who played McLovin. I can't remember that actor's name. He was also in Kick Ass 2. Um, it's very raunchy, it's very funny, very inappropriate. Uh, there's a joke in the trailer. So all the trailers for this movie, Jordan, start with these three kids sitting at the desk of Seth Rogen and him saying, sorry, you guys can't watch your own trailer, which in and of itself is funny. Like, these kids are in this very vulgar movie, but because of the rating system for trailers, they technically aren't allowed to watch the Red Band trailer for their own movie, right? And right. they see, like, a thing, a ward he won behind him for Superbad, because it's, it's Jacob Tremblay, who's a white kid, another white kid, and a black kid with a... A, like a, a really cool afro and the, the black kid sees the award and he's like oh is that for that movie super bad and he's like oh yeah and it's like next like uh, uh, like weed and like a, a pipe and everything and, and he's like oh yeah I remember that movie you made that before black people existed huh because there was the criticism when super bad came out that there wasn't any black people in the movie you know what I mean right which is pretty a pretty funny criticism of it. Uh, <laughs> and Seth Rogen gets very embarrassed. Anyways, looks like a very funny movie. Can't wait to watch it. Very vulgar, very inappropriate. Looks like a good time. Uh, that's pretty much it for me. What about you? So, um, closing in on finishing at least, you know, my first go-around with Fire Emblem Three Houses here. Um, I am... By the way, I was I was wondering, Jared, are you now knowing that uh, the Black Eagles has a secret path where the others don't? Will you be jumping into the Black Eagles whenever you play Fire Emblem? Not necessarily because you're going to be playing it or at least seeing it or something, right? Um, sure. And I don't want my decision to be dictated by that specifically. What I'm going to do is gotcha. I'm going to load up the game. I'm going to see which one speaks to me and go with that. If it happens to be them, cool. If not, cool. Listen to your heart. Exactly. When it's talking to you. <laughs> when it's talking to you. Um, so, other than Fire Emblem, let me see here. 
Um, you know, I gotta say, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was kind of the last movie I was excited about for a, bit, a good minute, which sucks. Um, other than that, I'll be uh, continuing to watch Ghost in the Shell, um, which is just fantastic anime, uh, movie, TV series, OVA series, whatever you want to watch. They're all great. Um, highly recommend it to fans of cyberpunk who haven't yet experienced it, I would say. Um, other than that, I'll definitely be watching more Always Sunny. Um, been enjoying the Wicked and the Divine comic, Jared. Recently downloaded it. I love Die. Die is like arguably my favorite comic yeah, series. Yeah, is fucking great. And the Wicked and the Divine. I don't know if I'm going to be reading it anytime soon, but watching the We Have Cool Friends interview and obviously already loving Die, I went and downloaded yeah. the first seven volumes, so I have them. Nice. Um, but nice. I'm, I'm I don't know when I'm going to get to them. Yeah, so um, Kieran Gillen just finished up his run on Star Wars, and uh, I really enjoyed it, and um, wanted to jump into Wicked and the Divine, and jumped in, and then found out he's coming on kind of funny, and that Wicked and the Divine is ending with issue 45. So I was like, whoa, lots of... Lots of emotions there, you know, like jumping in and enjoying it a lot and then finding all that stuff out. So I actually haven't, uh, I actually have to listen to We Have Cool Friends, Jared, because the way that they decorate the set for that series is one of the most gaudy, fucking eye-piercing affronts to the human visual sensory I've ever seen. I think that's a good way to define it i love how ugly it is i, I love it dude. it looks so <laughs> fun dude like from a design perspective which i'm i'm actually surprised uh since i i think that you have such a great eye for design i'm like from a design perspective it's got like so way 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 too many different things going on yeah it's too it's busy. like when you wear it's like when you wear oh dude it's too busy times 10 it's like when you wear plaid and stripes and a different pattern and it's like your outfit just the, looks terrible the problem is is they i think the side panels are fine but as it came into the back panel behind them the, the actual like screen they should have mm -hmm. simplified it and made it uh made like less images of guests and maybe threw in some like uh like objects or Easter eggs that pertain to people instead of their actual picture, because like having all the frames and the images and all the stuff, it's like way too much. Or yeah. it could be the opposite, where the background is that busy, but then the side panels are simpler. But because both the side panels are busy and the background is busy, it's it, it is a lot. But like I told you, I like how they didn't even it is. have the side panels for the first few episodes, and I still thought it was an eye searing mess because you have the pattern this like groovy 70s pattern on the yeah. pretend wall and then you have the like these it's kind of like what they did with PS I Love You in the new studio which I really didn't like either with like really complicated fake frames and then you have this fake fireplace and then it's got like multiple layers of stuff going on and when you just think about all the different layers of everything it's just it's honestly 
so distracting that I had to stop watching the show and I just listen to the show like on my commutes or whatever yeah with uh, like I do with other podcasts so um, that's a long tangent for that but uh, it's it's rough but um, Kieran Gillen Wicked and the Divine uh, I'm 20 or so issues in and very much enjoying it and so I'll go ahead and finish up the last half of it because it's a quick comic I've noticed big thing with me in comics now Jared is the wordiness of it the different writers and how wordy they are because some comics tell such a beautiful story in such like not you don't have to have like five words throughout your whole comic but like they're just they're word bubbles with a sentence or two at most maybe they'll say a paragraph if it's a dialogue heavy scene but these fucking writers that just have paragraph after paragraph coming out of these characters mouths it just gets on my nerves and it's ridiculous when some comics will take you five or ten minutes to read and then some of them it's like they just go on and on forever because there's ten thousand words in this 20 page book yeah so uh i'll quit talking now but shout out to wicked and divine Thank you guys for listening to episode 154 of the Controlled Ventures Gamecast. If you can, please follow us on YouTube, subscribe to us there, leave us a like on our videos, hit the bell notification, let's you know whenever we upload a new video. On Twitter, you can find us at CTRL, CTRL, INT, that's Controlled Interests Abbreviated. I am at Jared underscore Jordan is at Malamotis. Dom, who should be, ba- uh, should be back next week, is at Dom's Oreos. On iTunes, if you leave us a review there, it helps us move up in the algorithm so we move higher up on the listing for games, podcasts, and obviously with that, more people will see us and we can get more people listening. And the more people listening means the better the show is for everyone, including the viewers, listeners, and us. And yeah, we'll catch you guys next week with episode 155, our pre-Gamescom episode, right on the cusp of these Jeff Keighley announcements. We'll see what happens. See you guys then. Bye.